Chapter Eight of the Enchanted Barn. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Gail Mattern. The Enchanted Barn by Grace Livingston Hill. Chapter Eight. The car leaped forward up the smooth white road, and the great barn, as they looked back to it, seemed to smile pleasantly to them in farewell. Shirley looked back and tried to think how it would seem to come home every night and see Doris standing at the top of the grassy incline waiting to welcome her. Tried to fancy her mother in a hammock under the big tree a little later when it grew warm and summery and the boys working in their garden. It seemed too heavenly to be true. The car swept around the corner of Allister Avenue and curved down between tall trees. The white spire in the distance drew nearer now, and the purplish hills were off at one side. The way was fresh with smells of spring, and everywhere were sweet scents and droning bees and croaking frogs. The spirit of the day seemed to enter into the young people and make them glad. Somehow all at once they seemed to have known one another a long time, and to be intimately acquainted with one another's tastes and ecstasies. They exclaimed together over the distant view of the misty city, with the river winding on its far way, and shouted simultaneously over a frightened rabbit that scurried across the road and hid in the brushwood. And then the car wound round a curve, and the little white church swept into view below them. The little white church in the valley is bright with the blossoms of May, and true is the heart of your lover, who waits for your coming to-day chanted forth George, in a favorite selection of the department store Victrola, and all the rest looked interested. It was a pretty church, and nestled under the hills as if it were part of the landscape, making a home center for the town. "'We can go to church and Sunday school there,' said Shirley eagerly. "'How nice! That will please Mother!' Elizabeth looked at her curiously, and then speculatively toward the church. "'It looks awfully small and cheap,' said Elizabeth." "'All the more chance for us to help,' said Shirley. "'It will be good for us.' "'What could you do to help at church?' asked the wondering Elizabeth. "'Give money to paint it? The paint is all scaling off.' "'We couldn't give much money,' said Carol, "'because we haven't got it. "'But there's lots of things to do in a church besides giving. "'You teach in Sunday school, and you wait on table at suppers when they have ladies' aid.' "'Maybe they'll ask you to play the organ, Shirley,' suggested George.' "'Oh, George,' reproved Shirley, "'they'll have plenty that can play better than I can. "'Remember, I haven't had time to practice for ages.' "'She's a crackerjack at the piano,' confided George to Graham in a low growl. "'She hasn't had a lesson since Father died, "'but before that she used to be at it all the time. "'She can sing, too. You ought to hear her.' "'I'm sure I should like to,' assented Graham heartily. "'I wonder if you will help me get her to sing sometime, "'if I come out to call after you are settled.' "'Sure,' said George heartily. "'But she maybe won't do it. "'She's awfully nutty about singing sometimes. "'She's not stuck on herself nor nothing.' "'But the little white church was left far behind, "'and the city swept on apace. "'They were nearing home now, "'and Graham insisted on knowing where they lived, "'that he might put them down at their door. "'Shirley would have pleaded an errand "'and had them set down in the business part of the town. But George airily gave the street number, and Shirley could not prevail upon Graham to stop at his office and let them go their way. And so the last few minutes of the drive were silent for Shirley, and her cheeks grew rosy with humiliation over the dark little narrow street where they would presently arrive. 
Perhaps when he saw it, this cultured young man would think they were too poor and common to be good tenants even for a barn. But when they stopped before the little two-story brick house, you would not have known from the expression on the young man's face as he glanced at the number, but that the house was a marble front on the most exclusive avenue in the city. He handed down Shirley with all the grace that he would have used to wait upon a millionaire's daughter, and she liked the way he helped out Carol and spoke to George as if he were an old chum. "'I want you to come and see me next Saturday,' called Elizabeth to Carol as the car glided away from the curb, "'and I'm coming out to help you get settled, remember?' The brother and two sisters stood in front of their little old dark house and watched the elegant car glide away. They were filled with wonder at themselves that they had been all the afternoon a part of that elegant outfit. Was it a dream? They rubbed their eyes as the car disappeared around the corner and turned to look up at the familiar windows and make sure where they were. Then they stood a moment to decide how they should explain to the waiting mother why they happened to be home so early. It was finally decided that George should go to hunt up a drayman and find out what he would charge to move their things to the country, and Shirley should go to a neighbor's to inquire about a stove she heard they wanted to sell. Then Carol could go in alone, and there would be nothing to explain. There was no telling when either George or Shirley would have a holiday again, and it was as well to get these things arranged as soon as possible. Meantime, Elizabeth Graham was eagerly interviewing her brother, having taken the vacant front seat for the purpose. "'Sid, where did you find those perfectly dear people?' I think they are just great. And are they really going to live in that barn? Won't that be dandy? I wish Mother would let me go out and spend a month with them. I mean to ask her. That Carol is the nicest girl ever. She's just a dear. Now look here, kid, said Graham, facing about to his sister. I want you to understand a thing or two. I took you on this expedition because I thought I could trust you. See? Elizabeth nodded. Well... I don't want a lot of talk at home about this. Do you understand? I want you to wait a bit and go slow. If things seem to be all right a little later on, you can ask Carol to come and see you, perhaps. But you'll have to look out. She hasn't fine clothes to go visiting in, I imagine, and they're pretty proud. I guess they've lost their money. Their father died a couple of years ago, and they've been up against it. They do seem like awfully nice people, I'll admit. And if it's all right later on, you can get to be friends, but you'll have to go slow. Mother wouldn't understand it, and she mustn't be annoyed, you know. I'll take you out to see them sometime when they get settled, if it seems all right. But meantime, can you keep your tongue still? Elizabeth's face fell, but she gave her word immediately. She and her brother were chums. It was easy to see that. But can't I have her out for a weekend, Sid? Can't I tell Mother anything about her? I could lend her some dresses, you know. You go slow, kid, and leave the matter to me. I'll tell Mother about them pretty soon, when I've had a chance to see a little more of them, and am sure Mother wouldn't mind. Meantime, don't you fret. I'll take you out when I go on business, and you shall see her pretty soon again. Elizabeth had to be content with that. She perceived that for some reason her brother did not care to have the matter talked over in the family. She knew they would all guy him about his interest in a girl who wanted to rent his barn, and she felt herself that Shirley was too fine to be talked about in that way. The family wouldn't understand unless they saw her. "'I know what you mean, Sid,' she said after a thoughtful pause. "'You want the folks to see them before they judge what they are, don't you?' "'That's just exactly the point,' said Sidney, with a gleam of satisfaction in his eyes. 
That's just what makes you such a good pal, kid. You always understand. The smile dawned again in Elizabeth's eyes, and she patted her brother's sleeve. Good old Sid, she murmured tenderly. You're all right, and I just know you're going to take me out to that barn soon. Aren't you going to fix it up for them a little? They can't live there that way. It would be a dandy place to live if the windows were bigger and there were doors like a house and a piazza and some fireplaces. A great big stone fireplace in the middle there opposite the door. Wouldn't that be sweet? And they'll have to have electric lights and some bathrooms, of course. Her brother tipped back his head and laughed. I'm afraid you wouldn't make much of a hand to live in a barn, kid, he said. You're too much of an aristocrat. How much do you want for your money? My dear, they don't expect tiled bathrooms and electric lights and inlaid floors when they rent a barn for the summer. But aren't you going to do anything, Sid? Well, I can't do much, for Miss Hollister would suspect right away. She's very businesslike, and she has suspicions already because I said I was going to put in partitions. She isn't an object of charity, you know. I imagine they are all pretty proud. Elizabeth sat thoughtful and still. It was the first time in her life she had contemplated what it would be to be very poor. Her brother watched her with interest. He had a feeling that it was going to be very good for Elizabeth to know these Hollisters. Suddenly he brought the car to a stop before the office of a big lumberyard they were passing. I'm going in here, kid, for just a minute, to see if I can get a man to put in those partitions. Elizabeth sat meditatively studying the office window through whose large dusty panes could be seen tall strips of molding, unpainted window frames, and a fluted column or two, evidently ready to fill an order. The sign over the door set forth that window sashes, doors, and blinds were to be had. Suddenly Elizabeth sat up straight and read the sign again, strained her eyes to see through the window, and then opened the car door and sprang out. In a moment more she stood beside her brother, pointing mutely to a large window frame that stood against the wall. "'What is it, kid?' he asked kindly. "'Sid, why can't you put on great big windows like that? They would never notice the windows, you know. It would be so nice to have plenty of light and air.' "'That's so,' he murmured. "'I might change the windows some without its being noticed.' Then to the man at the desk, "'What's the price of that window? Got any more?' "'Yes,' said the man, looking up interested. "'Got half a dozen, made especially for a party, and then he wasn't pleased. "'Claimed he ordered sash windows instead of casement. "'If you can use these six, we'll make you a special price.' "'Oh, take them, Sid. They're perfectly lovely,' said Elizabeth eagerly. "'They're casement windows with diamond panes. "'They'll just be so quaint and artistic in that stone.' "'Well, I don't know how they'll fit.' said the young man doubtfully. I don't want to make it seem as if I was trying to put on too much style. No, Sid, it won't seem that way, really. I tell you, they'll never notice the windows are bigger, and casement windows aren't like a regular house, you know. See? They'll open wide like doors. I think it would be just grand. All right, kid, we'll see. We'll take the man out with us, and if he says it can be done, I'll take them. Elizabeth was overjoyed. That's just what it needed, she declared. They couldn't live in the dark on rainy days. You must put two in the front on each side of the door and one on each end. The back windows will do well enough. Well, come on, kid. Mr. Jones is going out with me at once. Do you want to go with us, or shall I call a taxi and send you home, said her brother. I'm going with you, of course, said Elizabeth eagerly, hurrying out to the cars if she thought the thing would be done all wrong without her. 
so elizabeth sat in the back seat alone while her brother and the contractor discoursed on the price of lumber and the relative values of wooden stone for building purposes and the big car went back over the way it had been before that afternoon they stopped on the way out and picked up one of mr jones carpenters who was just leaving a job with his kit of tools and who climbed stolidly into the back seat and sat as far away from the little blue velvet miss as possible all the while taking furtive notes to tell his own little girl about her when he went home elizabeth climbed out and went about the barn with them listening to all they had to say the two men took out pencils and foot rules and went around measuring and figuring elizabeth watched them with bright attentive eyes putting a whispered suggestion now and then to her brother they can't go up and down a ladder all the time she whispered there ought to be some rough stairs with a railing at least as good as our back stairs at home how about it said graham aloud to the contractor can you put in some steps just rough ones to the left i'm going to have a party out here camping for a while this summer and i want it to be safe need a railing you know so nobody will get a fall the man measured the space up with his eye just want some plain steps framed up with a handrail he said squinting up again guess we better start em up this way to the back wall and then turn back from a landing that'll suit the overhead space best just pine you want em i suppose elizabeth stood like a big blue bird alighted on the door-sill watching and listening she was a regular woman and saw big possibilities in the building she would have enjoyed ordering pocketry flooring and carved newel posts and making a regular palace the sun was setting behind the purply hill and sending a glint from the weather vane on the little white church spire when they started back to the city elizabeth looked wistfully toward it and wondered about the rapt expression on shirley's face when she spoke of working in the church how could one get any pleasure out of that she meant to find out at present her life was rather monotonous and she longed to have some new interests that night after she had gone to her luxurious little couch she lay in her downy nest and tried to think how it would be to live in that big barn and go to sleep up in the loft lying on that hay then suddenly the mystery of life was upon her with its big problems why for instance was she born into the graham family with money and culture and all the good times and that sweet bright carol girl born into the hollister family where they had a hard time to live at all End of chapter 8